the lines continue to blur between broadcast and digital. With podcast, online radio, video, all the things that are available, broadcast ministries can no longer silo the two channels. Although 5Q is focused primarily on digital, we've seen the best results when both online and offline marketing efforts are working together. When you mix the two formats, you'll find that you'll have a more resilient model, which is critical. Because if, if 2020 has taught us anything, is that the whole world can change at any moment. So I just wanted to share a recent article by eMarketer. They are actually estimating radio advertising. And by radio, they mean not just terrestrial radio, but terrestrial, satellite, and, and even digital radio. That radio advertising is going to be down by 25% this year directly due to COVID. You can find the entire article in our show notes. While this might sound like doom and gloom, it, the, the conversations that we've been having with industry experts really has been less about declines and more about shifting priorities. So the overall ad spend isn't dropping, but where, but where they're deciding to spend, that's what's shifting. So as, as I read through this article, I'm reminded of, of, of a couple, three things. Number one is that data is important. We're living in volatile times, and the best way to spot trends is by watching the data. So, so my question to you is, where do you go for sources of good data about where the trends in your area is going? Second is that channels are important. People are not only shifting their habits, like their morning commutes, and like during this, this pandemic, some of them even completely eliminated their morning commutes. They're also shifting their habits based on the convenience. Most internet users log in from three or more devices, some of the research shows. And I know that's the case with me. On a daily basis, I've got my, app, my laptop, my iPad, and my phone. And I will consume audio and video on all three of those devices, depending on where I'm at at the time. And we, we suspect, suspect that the exact same thing holds true for radio and television listeners, listeners between phones, Alexa devices, uh, Roku, all the different devices are out there. So that the way that they interact is becoming more and more personalized to their preference. Third is that collaboration helps us stay competitive. The current landscape is so complex that no one can specialize in every single area. That's why we are huge on collaboration. We know that by working together and learning from each other, that can help us all succeed. For those of you that invest heavily in radio advertising, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this article. How has your spending changed during COVID-19, and what are your plans going forward? You're listening to the Ministry at Scale podcast, where we discuss trends, learn from experts, and share practical tips to help your ministry multiply its digital impact. Today, we have a special digital ministry conference edition of the podcast, where we'll replay one of the most requested sessions from the 2020 Digital Ministry Conference. In this session, we assembled some experts from agencies, radio stations, and digital who are paving the way to bring radio and digital together to provide a unified experience across all the channels. We're going to be talking with Catherine Robertson from Eaglecom, Jack Hibbard from the Hibbard Group, Carl Bliss from Northwestern Media, and Gordon Marcy from Glory Stone Podcast. So go ahead, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show. I'd like to welcome uh, all of you to uh, bridge the gap between broadcast and digital session here. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I wanted to uh, just open it up with uh, some insights here as to the flow of this session and to share with you that the problem we're helping to solve in this particular session is that we can all agree that the lines are blurred, right, between broadcast and digital. And we know that these two channels can no longer be siloed. Uh, so the good news is today is that we have a group of strong leaders and experienced experts from agencies, radio stations, and digital who really are paving the way to bring these two together. So the flow of the session, I'll start with our panel introductions and we'll dive into some questions and then we'll leave time that we do have for any questions at the end. Again, I'm Scott Anderson with 5Q, Vice President of Partnerships there, and I'm the facilitator and uh, we are ready to dive right in here. I'm going to jump into uh, introductions. First of all, with Catherine Robertson, president with Eaglecom Marketing. Catherine's 45-year career has included leading advertising agencies across Canada and the U.S. 
and designing communication plans based on her research of people and media. Um, secondly, uh, very interested in introducing Carl Bliss, who is the Director of Digital Media at Northwestern Media in St. Paul, Minnesota. Carl and his team supports a network of radio stations in 12 different markets. Jack Hibbert is president of the Hibbert Group, an agency he founded in 2009 out of his passion to strengthen ministries through media. He has over four decades of experience in radio, television, and media that he brings to this session here today. And introducing you also to Gordon Marcy as the president of Glory Stone Podcast. Gordon has for actually 20 years served as a general manager for, uh, for the Salem uh, Media Group and overseeing 10 stations in five markets and specializing in turnaround strategies and growth management. Most recently, what Gordon's most excited about is at NRB 2020, he previewed Glory Stone Podcasts, a new streaming service web app that is like a Spotify or Apple podcast for websites. So Catherine, Carl, Jack, and Gordon, thank you again for your investment and in time uh, with us today. And to our session audience, I want to remind you, please include your questions in chat, any other comments that you have. Well, we want to do our best to leave some time at the end to, uh, to address your questions. So for each of our four panelists, I've got one opening question here. And just take one minute for, from each of you. Uh, to address this opening question, and it's this. As an experienced leader in broadcast and in marketing and messaging, why is this particular topic of bridging the gap between broadcast and digital uh, really so important to you? Catherine, let's start with you. Well, thanks for inviting me to your panel, Scott. And my quick answer to your question would be because I'm in love with communication. Since the beginning of time, people tried to influence each other, and they've done that in so many different ways. But communication is really just transferring a thought from one place to another. And I've often said as a media and marketing agency, we're actually movers. We move messages from their source, which is our valued clients, to another person. And the goal is always to, of course, do that in the right way, to the right person, at the right time, and for the right reason. We've had the privilege of working with organizations who have life-changing messages, and that's the highest motivator for me. Bridging the gap, to me, is actually a discussion about the ways to use message carriers, whether it's broadcast or digital, or as I like to say, skywriting. I'm passionate about delivering a message to someone who will be changed in a positive way. Now, we need to be wise about how to communicate, and I think that involves a study of both people and media. People, how are they motivated? What matters to people? How do they consume their content? And then media, what are the pros and cons of each vehicle? What are the creative uses? What's the combination we can use? And of course, what's cost effective? So I have built my career on studying people and media, and many things have changed over those decades. But what hasn't changed is my love of communication. Great. Thank you, Catherine. Excellent. Carl? I'd uh, like to yield the rest of my time back to Catherine to hear more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's, um, yeah, as Catherine mentions, the, uh, the relationship between medium and message can so often be confused that we, we, we assume that the way we deliver a message um, is is easily transferable uh, across channels, and we're certainly learning that as a radio network founded in the '40s. Um, over the last two decades, certainly realizing uh, that we can't simply do radio on all of the platforms we're given the opportunity to be a part of. Uh, that we need to uh, take an unchanging message, um, but produce it in a way uh, to, to effectively bridge that gap between what we've been doing for 60, 70 years uh, and what we're doing more of now. So I think it's more than just even uh, changing consumer behavior for us. Um, for us, it's actually requiring us to focus more on the message that we're sharing, not just the, uh, the production practices we have. Thank you, Carl. Excellent. Jack? 
Well, thank you, Scott, for the opportunity to be on this panel. I'm, uh, I'm honored by this, but also um, a, a little discouraged by the fact that you populated this panel with people much uh, smarter than I. But thanks for, uh, thanks for the chance to share anyway. Um, you mentioned it at the top. I've been around media ministries for almost four decades. Uh, that, that, that hurts to almost say that. It doesn't seem that long. But if there's one thing that's been uh, consistent over that time, it's certainly that we've sure seen a lot of change. And I have seen really kind of historically, sort of one of my pet peeves, I think, Christian ministries oftentimes lag behind some of that change in terms of adopting new technologies. Now, there are probably some good reasons for that. But honestly, when I think about the need here, and I think the question was, you know, why is bridging the gap so important here? Uh, to me, uh, it, it's just a, almost a biblical need. You know, I, I think a lot about 1 Corinthians chapter 9, where Paul talked about um, being all things to all people so that by all possible means, uh, he could save some. And I think that's what's important about bridging the gap here, because in today's world, you know, we often tell our clients, it's not one thing, it's everything. You, you can't just be a radio ministry anymore. You can't just be a television ministry anymore. Um, you're a content provider, and you've got to use, I think, just like Paul, every means possible to reach as many uh, with the gospel as we can. Thank you, Jack. Uh, great words there. Gordon, over to you. Jack, I hadn't thought about how long I'd been in radio till you mentioned that. <laughs> and I was until I was preparing uh, for this uh, session as well. Uh, five decades, so I got <laughs> uh, for me. So I, I can answer your, well, first, let me say greetings to everyone and thank you uh, for inviting me to uh, participate in this August panel. Uh, and uh, I can answer it in a sentence, a little different tack, Scott, uh, the why. We have a hundred year uh, legacy to preserve and advance. Uh, and as Christian communicators, uh, we're stewards of that in the 21st century, we're stewards of that, of that legacy. And it is to use every communication technology that comes along uh, to reach the world for Christ. Uh, so as I said, I was doing a little background for this and came up with uh, that Marshall McLuhan, we talked about the medium and the message, I did not know this, spoke to the NRB in 1970. Uh, he's the one that coined that phrase, uh, the medium is the message. And Dr. Ben Armstrong, who uh, was the first NRB president, said of that day, the most important thing, uh, takeaway from McLuhan's talk to the broadcasters was this, the only, let me quote it, the only perfect union of the medium and the message had occurred in the person of Jesus Christ. So think about that for a second. Uh, so perhaps uh, that would make Christian broadcasting a near perfect union. Uh, Greg Laurie told the Wall Street Journal recently that he believes the pandemic opened a door of opportunity for digital ministry uh, and that we have to go through it. Uh, so why is this topic of uh, bridging the gap important? We have to do it. If there is a gap, we have to bridge it. Thank you, Gordon. Thank, uh, thank uh, each of you for your opening comments around bridging the gap and the importance of this topic. The next question I'd like to pose to Jack and Catherine, and given your uh, extensive experience, uh, in the broadcast industry, uh, you know, that you've experienced, there's been, right, a lot of historic ups and downs. And so among many things, I think what, you know, sometimes people, what they're really looking for is a longer term perspective in times of notable change. And we're certainly in those times today, right, of significant change. So if each of you could share, if there's just one perspective with our audience here that you've learned over time as you consider digital and the times that we're in now? Yeah, I think, uh, I think more than anything, like you said, uh, Scott, we, we just continue to see, at least by my experience, um, change. One of the things that I've come to realize and, and hopefully come to accept uh, is that things are gonna change, times change, and as we know, through what we've just been through uh, with the world pandemic, circumstances are gonna change too, just like Gordon said. 
And I, I think if I could recommend one thing that as a ministry you need to do uh, in the midst of all that is that I, I think ministries need to be as flexible as possible. Um, that isn't always the case, at least by my experience, but I, but I think if one thing we could learn to be better at as, uh, as, as ministries that are, are trying to reach people for Jesus is, I, I think we need to be better at pivoting. Um, just because it was done one way or it's been done one way, like Carl was saying, for the past 40 years in a radio network, doesn't mean that that's the way we're going to continue to meet uh, people. And, you know, we have lots of heroes uh, in the broadcast industry that we can look to that set the trail and, and blaze the path for us. But truly, um, the way that, you know, Charles Stanley built his ministry or Jim Dobson did or Chuck Swindoll or anybody uh, of these heroes of broadcasting, uh, the way it was done back then is certainly not the way it's going to be um, moving forward. And it is today. The way that we build media ministries is, is much uh, different. And I, I think without question, uh, the biggest change that I've seen in the 21 years that, you know, I now have been involved on the agency side and before that in broadcasting has simply just been uh, the choices, the multitude of choices that we now have in media today. I was having a conversation the other day with somebody and I was thinking back to just the beginning of our own company. We founded the Hibber Group in 2009 and it suddenly dawned on me, we didn't even have this then, you know? Uh, and that doesn't seem, 11 years ago doesn't seem that long ago. Uh, I remember sitting around at, um, you know, Gordon mentioned NRB. I can remember uh, some strategic sessions at NRB where we brought together, you know, a bunch of people to talk about um, really what convergence was going to look like. You know, what would it be like? And I, I remember somebody saying in one of those sessions, man, what's it going to be like when you can, you know, push a button on your watch and hear focus on the family? And here we sit today, you know, we've been able to do that for years. So, you know, I, I think um, that's, that's the biggest challenge that we probably face today is that we just have a multitude of media choices. And, you know, we've got to use as many as we possibly can to reach, like I said, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, as many people as we can. And, and I think the other thing, you know, that, that's the times, that's the technology change. The other thing, as I mentioned, I think is circumstances. We have to be able to adapt to circumstances. Um, you know, it was already mentioned that uh, what Greg Laurie said about what the pandemic did. And I was having a conversation with one of my clients the other day who said, you know, we always did streaming, but, you know, once the pandemic hit, it changed everything. And here's what he said. We can't ever go back to the way it was. And so that's the thing I think we need to be doing as ministries. We need to be constantly adapting. We need to be using as many of the, of the pertinent technologies that we can. And we need to make sure that we're pivoting in ways to adapt to the circumstances that are around us. And I think, like I said, we've seen plenty of those examples in the last couple of months, for sure. Thanks, Jack. Yeah, change. Uh, the, and certainly we're seeing it not only just the rate of change, but the amount of change that's taken place over the last even just a few months and flexibility, adaptability. Uh, yeah, those are, those are critical uh, points. Catherine, your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are similar, um, but let me add a couple of things where we are all on the same page, obviously, with, but with respect or due respect to all the changes we're talking about, I think it's important to establish that change happens every day from the day we're born. Right. And, and as much as I fully understand, we've had this advent of message carriers like never before, we still have to get a mindset, I think, and I would encourage younger people to get that mindset of looking for, anticipating and adapting to change every day. Digital at its simplest is just another way to communicate to people, but at its most complex, and I think this is what we're saying, is it's ever-changing means to deliver content. It's, a, it's evolving. It's a moving target and wise and creative people are studying that every day and how we can use these vehicles to reach people. But as soon as we figure it out, it changes. And I think we are all agreeing on that. Digital has allowed us to not only reach the masses like we have traditionally, if you will, with broadcast. But I think what's interesting is it has allowed us to reach someone with a message that matches their personal affinities. And that's what makes it fascinating and intriguing. 
I always try to say, you know, ideally as marketers and message carriers, we'd be able to sit down at our kitchen table with somebody and talk to them one-on-one -on -one about something that we want them to know and understand. But obviously that's not practical and possible. Um, so, but what's the next best way to do that? Uh, there are seven identifiable generational groups living today. Um, and it's fun to study those. We do a lot of that, of studying the characteristics of all these different groups. And, and you know lots about that, boomers and Gen Xers and millennials, and now the alphas who were born since 2011. Um, but not only should we look at the trends of people but, and demographics, but we need to look at psychographics, ethnicities, socioeconomic groups, special interest groups. And like I said earlier, it's the study of people and it's the study of media. We've got this myriad of media. I don't need to list them all, right? It, it, there's a plethora of ways to communicate messages now, and that is ever increasing. But I guess what we try to do, um, in addition to your wise words, Jack, is take our clients back to a discussion about how are we reaching those people? Um, people are exposed to thousands of messages every day, um, and they're, you know, they'll be influenced based on who's delivering that message, when the message is received, how the message is communicated, and other distractions going on in their life, the environment within which the message was communicated. Marketing is not an exact science, as we all know. It's an, it's an art. Um, and as we look ahead at digital, I think we need to remember that all vehicles have value. And I think you were saying that, Jack. Um, and we have to match those vehicles to our objectives. Uh, who are we trying to reach and what do we want them to do? And we need to use mediums for their strengths and change. Um, digital evolves every day, but so can some of the other mediums. For example, you know, many of us here have clients who've produced and aired long-form programming on radio and television for decades. Uh, they've reached millions of people with thousands of messages, and it's been amazing. And I get asked the question all the time, what should we do going forward? And in many cases, they should still continue to do some of what they're doing, because in many cases, it is still effective. But there's ways to use media differently now, and I think that's what we're all saying. For instance, we have clients who are now saying, you know, in certain markets, I'm better off to use the power of radio, reach people at high audience times with shorter messages, maybe on a music station, to tell them about my spoken word content that I now have available on my website, my podcasts, my apps, etc. So I guess my message is uh, not unlike what we're all saying. I believe in total communication. Everything has to work together and use the strengths of the medium. Um, teams have to be comprised of people who are digital experts, but who also represent other vehicles. We have to come together as teams, and we've been doing this a lot with clients and putting on various hats and saying, let's be creative and responsive together. We have to embrace change every day, but we also have to adapt. Yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Great points about mindset. Uh, the relationship between people and media and tying those to specific objectives, uh, you know, within your, uh, um, you know, uh, conversations that you're certainly having with your clients. Um, I'm going to jump to a, uh, a question here about, about leadership. You know, we've talked a lot about change and um, I'll, I'll pose this to Carl and to Catherine uh, just about, uh, the leadership roles that you're taking in your business and uh, what, what is, what are just one or two principles that you really hold on to in these times of change? And perhaps we've touched on a few of them here, but specifically Carl, for you to start with, uh, what are the principles that you hold on to in these times of change? Yeah. And looking at uh, kind of change being twofold, one, of course, that, that gap between digital and broadcast that you talked about changing you know, through various media, uh, but also, of course, the change uh, we've been experiencing probably in our, in our corporate lives over the last few months as well. Making decisions, making efforts to do change, in, uh, creating, you know, raising capital, investing resources towards a change effort is the easy part. Do not underestimate the journey your team uh, that includes uh, your direct reports, your colleagues, and even your leadership uh, is going to have to take to get through a, a change effort. Um, 
I would encourage you to invest more time in shepherding your constituents and your team through that change uh, than even making decisions uh, towards change. If that's adopting a new platform, if that's um, creating a new production department, you know, whatever that is. Um, you know, there probably isn't a year that goes by that I don't spend time reading, you know, John Cotter's change management um, uh, article from like, the mid 90s, just great principles of how to walk a team through through change. So put as much time in your change management as you put into the decision making process to go through that change. Uh, Carl, I'm going to I'm going to jump in here, Carl. So what what's a practical uh, step as you look ahead to you know your your typical week? How do you how do you implement that with your team? What does that what does that look like? I, I think it, it's um, developing uh, developing a clear purpose for the change that they can articulate to me. So maybe it's, maybe it's a sense of urgency. Maybe it's um, a, a, an impending um, yeah, user behavior change. Uh, a lot, you know, create a clear purpose that everyone can articulate for those changes. Um, yeah. And then I think also just creating some of those you know, short-term uh, milestones by which we can measure uh, that change effort or that success. Um, then the other one, and this is actually the other, you know, kind of the other leadership principle I had, but it, it really is tied into a practical example of that, is, um, is spending time focusing on the things that we are uh, not going to do. We don't need to be everywhere on every platform. Um, you know, we don't have to have a TikTok. We don't have to be, we don't have to have a podcast. We don't have to have a website, you know, if, if it's not right for what we're doing. And so you know, as you're working with a team you know, through a change process, um, have clear measurements so you can look at those, those platforms or those opportunities that your organization has and, uh, and maybe assess uh, whether or not this is where we should be and what we should be putting our time and our effort into uh, in a way that we can you know, collaborate around that change so that um, everyone involved is able to see that, that transparent decision-making process. Very helpful. Thank you, Catherine. Well, I maybe answered your question in a little different way, Scott, but uh, as soon as I looked at it, I went immediately back to sort of my main guiding principles, which I think have been true uh, from day one for me, and I believe they're relevant going forward. And, and you can kind of hear a theme in me that as much as I want to acknowledge what's going on in the, the incredible change, I do believe there's some fundamental things that stay constant. So I've just got three things I wanted to share that just came right to mind when you asked this question. First, uh, be a willing uh, student. Never, ever stop learning. And I know that sounds so obvious, but um, I think it, it takes courage, especially as we get older. We have to absolutely embrace the joy of adding to our knowledge and our experience. I've literally heard people say sometimes, oh, digital is a new medium for me. I've never used it before. I don't know how it works. I mean, from a marketing perspective, what if we said it, digital is a new medium for me. I've never used it before. I don't know how it works, but I'm excited about learning. And that's just the shift we need. Or, you know, I don't have enough time to learn everything. No, I don't have enough time to learn everything, but I will learn something today. Uh, keep your mind open, cultivate a desire to learn. Secondly, uh, build relationships of trust. I believe every organization will thrive when it is built on relationships of trust. But we can't just wish for those kind of relationships. They do take a commitment to some fundamental and I think very important characteristics. I could list all kinds of them, but my non-negotiables are this. Uh, be consistent, be the person with uh, the same person with everyone always. Demonstrate respect for your environment, for others, for yourself, for health, uh, for everyone around you actively participate, and I don't mean just a team player, I mean be a team member. Uh, find ways to be helpful. Serving others has never been wrong. Uh, show your feelings. Some of you might not agree with this, but I think being real and transparent connects you to other people, and I think it's very important in leadership. Live your values, walk your talk, uh, admit your mistakes, own those errors, learn, be a part, that's all part of the learning, and be part of the team that determines the fix. Affirm others uh, who doesn't need encouragement at every age, no matter what they're working on or where they work. 
and maintain a positive attitude. It is our role as leaders to keep hope alive, and that comes from our attitude. So I, I looked at those and I thought, well, that kind of sounds like kindergarten, doesn't it? And yeah, there's a reason for that, because I think they're fundamental to life and to building trustworthy relationships. And then lastly and quickly, uh, it's a word you've already used, Jack, I love it. Know when to pivot. Uh, this could be as minor as, you know, I often do this, I'll stop myself from working on something to move over to something that's more important. Or it might be as major as adjusting your organization in a very significant way, like we've been talking about. I, I live by the best over good principle. I call it my BOG, my BOG. Um, there simply isn't enough time to do all the good things that we'd like to do. We have to constantly choose the best. And I believe that's what God wants of us too, to follow the path he's chosen for us and continuously ask him to lead us towards the best for who we are and what he has called us to do. So for me, I guess I would sum it up by saying as a leader, um, my principles uh, to anyone would be you will grow by being a willing student, you will build your organization through relationships of trust, and you can stay on God's track, uh, even if you have to pivot. Great. Thank you, Carl and Catherine. These are just great uh, ideas, principles, thoughts that come from all four of you and your vast experience of leadership and, and your experiences. Uh, and you know, with that comes challenges and frustrations. Um, and certainly as we're talking about this topic of bridging the gap, I'm gonna pose a question here to Carl and Jack. Uh, Gordon, perhaps you wanna jump in on this as well, but you know, what's, what's one of the biggest challenges and frustrations that you've all seen in bridging this gap between broadcast and digital? I mean, we have to look at what are the, what's the real problem we're trying to solve here uh, and what's the biggest challenges before we can look at solutions. So, um, you know, Cara, your thought about some of the challenges, especially with, you know, the, the radio stations that you're so deeply involved in. Yeah, the biggest challenge, and this comes back to culture, uh, is the broadcast mindset. Um, you know, we are, when you have a, a 100,000 watt transmitter and, and a microphone, um, you don't get immediate feedback on who's out there. You have one message that you can share with whoever's going to be listening. Uh, you know, that, that's broadcast. It's a one to many. Uh, digital by its very nature is not that. We get immediate information on who's out there. Uh, it's by definition, it's, it's my server to your device. Even if there's hundreds of thousands of devices out there, it's, it's a one-to-one -one relationship. And so shedding that broadcast mentality is probably the, the biggest uh, frustration I have. The, if, I could, if I could kill one term here, it's the term e-blast. We're going to send out an e-blast. Like that's, that's a broadcast mentality. If you're using that term, you're, you're creating one message and you're shoving it out to people regardless of where they're at. And, and our listeners, uh, donors, watcher, you know, viewers, constituents, uh, have a growing expectation that every organization they work with, including the biggest organizations they work with, know who they are and know the interactions that they have. That's just what we're coming to expect. Um, and so when I send out a fundraiser, we're, we're in the middle of a fundraiser today and tomorrow when the, the final day email goes out, um, the listeners who gave today expect that to be reflected in that email that goes out tomorrow. We're not sending out an e-blast saying, hey, if you didn't have a chance to give, you can give. We need to send out an email that says, thanks for giving today, or still not too late to give. You know, we, we have information, we can, we can act on that. So shedding that broadcast mentality is probably the biggest frustration I have uh, in that environment. I would absolutely concur and maybe take it from a little bit, uh, well, probably much of the same uh, lane, I guess, Carl, you know, we, we deal exclusively with broadcast ministries as our clients. And I, I would say the frustration that I have is, is equal. In fact, I have a client, I was laughing a little bit as you were describing eBlast because I have a client that actually refers to uh, her digital audience and hopefully she's not watching today. Um, uh, maybe she won't be a client after today, but refers to her, 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 digital audience as an electronic audience. And so to your point, uh, that's, just an, that's just an older mindset. It's, it's someone that doesn't quite understand the personal relationship uh, that we have through digital. So I would say the same thing, that's a frustration. And I think really the other thing that I see uh, as kind of a frustration in our work is 
is just the willingness to allocate budget uh, to new media, uh, to things that we haven't done before. Uh, sometimes that's a, you know, that's obviously uh, an issue of provision and what the Lord has provided, but other times it's just seeing the value and convincing uh, the client of, of the value. And then along with that, I think goes um, human resources. It's not just finances, but one of the things that, that we struggle with is having people in place on ministry staffs with, uh, with uh, ministries that have enough value to allocate human resources uh, to, to managing, implementing, and executing some of uh, these great technologies. So that's, I think, what we continue to be up against. However, the good part about what you said, Carl, is, is it's so measurable that once we can prove a response, um, you know, usually you get people diving in the deep end of the pool pretty quickly. Very good. Gordon, your thoughts uh, around this, just what you've seen in your experience with, with radio for many years and where you are today, biggest frustration or challenge as we're looking at this topic? Number one for me, <laughs> that disruption can't happen to me. Uh, there's few industries uh, that have been so shaken up by disruption than the media and entertainment industry. Uh, and I think radio has, uh, has experienced a forestalling of that disruption up to now for various reasons, still, still dominating in the car um, to a lesser degree, listening in the home, but that is changing dramatically with on-demand. So I think broadcasters uh, have to awake to the reality that disruption uh, is, they're not immune to it and it's coming like a freight train. Yeah. I, I read an article uh, recently, it was an interview with the CEO founder of uh, Spotify. It was done in, uh, in Variety uh, magazine and he noted the a change in behavior during the pandemic. This is his opinion, and it's, it favors him. So with that caveat, uh, the change in behavior was listeners moving away from linear radio, he said, a trend they expect to accelerate, and one that they see as creating the biggest opportunity to convert listeners from radio to their on-demand streaming services. And if you weren't aware, you may think of uh, Spotify as a music streaming platform. In 2019, they invested $300 million in spoken word audio. They're coming after radio and they're just very open about it. Uh, and they see it as an amazing opportunity, he says, quote unquote, in the millions of people who are no longer listening to linear radio in the car. So if you haven't taken a step toward digital in some way, and it needs to, uh, to happen fast. And if you've already taken steps, you need to up the ante. Great, Gordon, thank you. And that's gonna be one of the closing questions I have for this panel is if there's one step that you would take when it comes to uh, moving towards digital, what would that be? But before we get there, um, I wanna pose a question to the panel that came in from James and I welcome any one of the four of you to jump into this. James asked the questions, do you see a trend in broadcast towards or away from long form communication? Trend in broadcast uh, towards or away from long form communication? Who would like to jump in on that? Long form's here forever. Uh, long form is here forever, but I would say where it's being used is going to be the question. And Gordon, you know, just, just talked about Spotify. Um, I, I think in broadcast, uh, I, see, I do see a trend uh, towards shorter. I see a trend towards using, as Catherine described a little bit earlier, using broadcast to drive to other platforms. And I think the model that we've seen in the past where, you know, you, you string together 1,200 stations in a syndicated uh, form and you pay for all of that, that's, that's been breaking down for many years, um, except for the very top tier ministries. Um, you don't see the next generation, for instance, of communicators coming in behind uh, to quickly backfill a lot of those slots. Um, uh, th there's limited inventory, obviously, but I think the trend is more towards uh, shorter form driving to uh, digital platforms. I would support that. I think this is one of those times when the phrase is both and. 
you know, uh, it, it's a great question that's been asked by a participant, and everyone's asking it every day. But I would just urge you to say there's opportunities to to do both, just do it well and do it creatively. And if if there's anything to not be afraid of, particularly as a Christian uh, national ministry, is don't be afraid to customize. Not every market's the same. Thank you. Uh, another question uh, has come in. Uh, and Carl, I'm going to pose this to you here. This comes in from, uh, from, from Chad, and he says, he asked a question, one of our uh, session participants here, how do you customize content for different social media accounts to best target the type of people who use different mediums, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, others. So how do you best customize the content for different social media accounts? It's a great question. And let me try to think through a good answer. It's, you know, there are, so getting beyond, you know, either, either technolo technology or production uh, mindset, uh, I think it's just an intimate understanding of, of who's there and what's, what's responding. So I would say constantly measure uh, and, and constantly try to keep a pulse on, on, what audience you have at those platforms. And, and your audience may be different than what HubSpot's blog post tells you is the audience on that platform. Like it, it may be uh, that you've developed a niche with 65 year old grandmothers and great grandmothers and at 85 years old on TikTok. Like it's, you know, it's entirely possible that your audience is different than what's there. So I would say constantly, constantly measure, look at your own content and see what's working there. Um, and just be intimately familiar with the platforms. And then also know what platforms just is, aren't worth your time. And that's, that's completely up to you. Carl, thank you. And I'm sorry, but it, I'm getting old no. enough to, when I say 65 year old grandmother, I know that, that that's, uh, that's not accurate, so. Very good, all righty. Thank you, Carl, uh, for that. I'm gonna uh, pose our last question to the panel uh, here and there have been a lot of great ideas and tips and thoughts and suggestions and recommendations and statements made. And so I wanna ask each of you that if you were to boil it down as we think about our session audience today, um, you know, what would be the number one action step, the number one practical tip that you would wanna share based upon your experience in this topic and or maybe it relates to the some of the leadership principles we talk about or some of the perspectives we talk about. So, um, you know, what, what, what would you wanna make sure that this audience is very clear about when it comes to uh, their next steps? So uh, Carl, let's start with you. Yeah, thanks. I would say uh, create a process for incubation or trying things out. Um, whenever a new social media platform or a new opportunity that we see comes up, we look at a, what is a 45 day trial that we can do here? Um, and then we plan to quit it after 30 days. Um, or we plan to at least analyze it after 30 days. Uh, and if it's something we realize we can't live without, we have something that can, that can grow a little deeper. Um, Meerkat Periscope, a number of years ago, was that for us. We had, we had a chance to try live video. We, have, we, uh, we host our own music festival in Minneapolis. And so we said, we're gonna go all in on Periscope at this music festival, and it was fun. We tried it and we realized, yeah, there's a little bit of traction there, but not enough, and so we quit Periscope right away. But that had us ready when Facebook Live and Instagram Live video became a thing. We, had, we already had some uh, sophistication there. So just develop an internal process for incubation. So what, what Carl, what did, what did the measurement of success look like for you within that 30-day period? Uh, it was, it was uh, probably for us, it was largely uh, demographic. Are we reaching the audience we're trying to reach? And we, at some of our stations, have a very specific audience we try to hone in on. Um, so that was one. And then the other one is, is there use beyond this one use case for us? And in the case of the music festival, there really wasn't in a, on a day-to-day -day basis. We didn't see, we didn't see it being worth uh, investing the, the uh, yeah, investing the resources until it became built into Facebook. And all of a sudden, we had a, our audience was, was there and ready to consume that content. Yeah. Thank you, Carl. Catherine, your, uh, your thoughts related to next steps? Well, my one next step, I'm going to divide into three. And that's stepping back, 
stepping around and stepping forward. Uh, the stepping back is probably the most important, and, and I really, really stress this. You need to put a team or uh, preferably an objective leader at, from the outside around you to help you through your objectives. You know, so often I'll get asked, should I use radio, television, digital? And I go, yes. You know, everything comes from your objectives. It's really answering the who, what, where, when, and why. Who's your target audience? What is the best way to convey your message? Where can your target audience be found? When is the best time to communicate your, to your audience? Why do you want to engage with them anyway? And then I'll add a how. How much are you willing to invest in communicating? So that is fundamental. You have to step back first. Then step around. Review the characteristics of your audience. Review the pros and cons of media vehicles like I've been talking about today. And then step forward. And not unlike what Carl has just said, design a communications plan and go for it, but test and adjust. So at some point, like I said, it's not an exact science. You have to go for it, but test and adjust. And I say don't get caught in a rut of the old, but also don't run after all the shiny objects. It's a balancing act. You've got to consider all the factors. There's no right or wrong. There's just the best way for your organization at this time. Uh, so we may all call these changing times, but I'm old enough to just call it life. <laughs> there you go. Very good. Thank you, Catherine. Jack. Man, I tell you what, you know, it's clear to me that Catherine got A pluses in school, and that's why you, you invited the C student to just kind of balance things out a little bit. But you did ask, you did ask for one thing. So I'm going to give you uh, what I think is probably the most important. I've got a lot of things as well, but I, I think the number one thing is don't change your core. Right. I made a statement earlier and, and just to clear up, you know, when I said it's not one thing, it's everything. I don't mean chase the next shiny toy around the corner. Um, I think if I, I I've had two experiences uh, really in, in helping ministries multiply uh, their impact over the years. And one is that I either have ministries that get stuck and don't want to change or have other ministries that want to change every time there's a new shiny toy in the room. And so here's the thing I would say is probably most important. Make sure that whatever you're doing in your media ministry, whatever new thing you want to do, however you want to adapt to change, however you want to be flexible, however you want to be pivot, pivoting, make sure that's going through the filter of your goals and your missions. And, you know, obviously we all as followers of Jesus Christ have the same mission at the top level, right? That's to glorify God and bring more people into relationship with him. So I would say that's probably the most important thing. Let's make sure that whatever we're doing, it fits within that. And then our individual call from the Lord is the thing that we, we, we need to just keep putting through. I, I honestly think when Paul said, well, you know, I, I started with this at the beginning of the session, when he said, I, I become a Jew to reach a Jew, it was just more about the fact that he wanted to have the freedom to be able to adapt, to be able to pivot, to be able to do it. But his top goal was always to reach more people for Jesus. And so that's the thing that I think is uh, we're probably most passionate about is making sure that what we're doing in media, whether it's broadcast, whether it's digital, whatever it is, that it's going through a strategic lens, making sure that it fits your mission and your goals and making sure that, um, you know, most of all, it's exactly what God's called you to do. Thank you, Jack. Gordon, close us out. We've got a minute left here before I've got some closing thoughts. Uh, what is your single uh, most critical recommendations that you would pass on to this audience going forward on this topic? No, single. I have <laughs> I'll rush. I'll give it bullet points. Uh, uh, number one, develop an audio first mindset. Uh, number two, uh, make the web a central part of your strategy. Uh, number three, use social media sites as outposts, not as your flagship. You're just a renter there. Uh, and number four, and if I was only going to make one, this would be it. Maintain ties to listeners and communities uh, and work together with the local church. Uh, if we've learned anything during the pandemic, uh, the church knows how to do online church uh, uh, it, again, better. For those that were never doing it, they're doing it now. And the ones that were doing it, they're doing it even better. And that's involved a lot of uh, developing real relationships uh, with, uh, with their uh, viewers. 
Uh, and churches have always been early first adopters of new technologies going back a uh, hundred years. They were there uh, first when uh, Spectrum was released to the, you know, to the world. Uh, and so it's not surprising that they're in there. They're now claiming digital for the gospel. Uh, but you've got, so you've got churches in your local communities uh, that are doing some fantastic, innovative things, digital. Uh, you're there, they're there, get together and work together as you, as you always have. Uh, using these new new technologies. Uh, and last thought, if we don't use digital to advance the gospel, kingdom of darkness will. Thank you, Gordon, uh, for those closing remarks there. Special thanks as we, I want to take just a few seconds here and uh, express my deepest thanks to Catherine, Carl, Jack, and Gordon for really the rich insights and experiences that God has, uh, has, has led you through and your ability to communicate those very well in a relatively short period of time. So based on that, to our session audience, I wanna invite you to, for you to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with, uh, with Catherine, Carl, Jack, Gordon, and myself to talk through this topic even more as it relates to your specific ministry reminding you that this has been recorded for future listening. And I can't say enough about the solid and valuable sessions of Tech Talks coming up on digital advertising trends that you will not want to miss. So thank you all for joining us in this session and uh, just uh, praying that you all have a great rest of the conference. Thank you all. We hope this discussion gives you a big picture view of the broadcast landscape. It's all too easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day of running a ministry that we forget that there's a whole big world available to us. If you have questions on how you can leverage digital more deeply, consider meeting with one of our digital strategists for a free 30-minute consultation. Just go to 5q.com contact to request your free consultation. If you'd like to know more about the broadcast side of things, just let us know. We'd be happy to connect you with one of our partners. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing. Together we can multiply our collective impact.